This is the Power Breakfast Show podcast series. Podcast series. Remember, like, share, and subscribe. Power 102 Digital. Power 102 Digital. Thank you so much to the wonderful folks out at Bermuda's to make his cricks your vital supplies. Cricks in your car, cricks in your taxi, in your maxi, in your truck, on the bus, in your purse, in your bag. Work, home for sure. Cricks everywhere and goes with everything. Thank you so much, wonderful folks out of Bermuda who are making our major news at 7 possible. All right, thank you so much. They're the makers of Cricks, your vital supplies. Of course, we got major news and news a brief, actually. Coming up at 8, and that's all courtesy, Champlain Auto Services. All right, take a look what's happening traffic-wise. Yep, if you're westbound to Jerusalem Highway uh, by Baloney, you're going to get traffic this morning. That traffic is going to carry a strip towards Yui, uh, just by Nestle's. Uh, by Grand Bazaar, that intersection there, you're going to slow up a bit until you pass Elsko Road, then you'll step on your brake again by Barataria, all right? Going up Lady Young Road from Mova Junction, I should say from Barataria, roundabout to the walkover is a bit busy. Eastern Main Road from Arima Old Road, passing through Aruka, Takarigua, Makoya, Paji, St. Augustine, Mount Hope, San Juan, Barataria, Rangues, you got some traffic there this morning. A little bit of traffic coming out of Mocha, out in Maraval, that's about it, out in the Caranage. Out of Karanaz this morning. It is a bit heavy. Alright. Out from Higgs Street. Heading eastbound. You've got some traffic there. Got some volume heading westbound as well. Taking a look at what's happening uh, in central area. Sam Chaguanas passing through Endeavor. Got it. Uh, back in St. Helena by Kelly Village. Approaching the southern the highway from the southern main road. You've got it. Southern main road itself is heavy. Rivland Road is heavy. Claxton Bay to Edinburgh. You've got traffic there this morning, all right? And the creek's a bit busy. That's a quick traffic update for you. Hope that helped you out in one way or the other. All right. Uh, Paul will let our guest in. He's waiting to log in. Paul will let him in. Gentlemen, we are back. Richard? All right, so our poll this morning was do you agree that the TNT driving public driving public is not careful of its use of vehicles and gas because of the price we pay? We had 19 people voting on the poll this nope. morning. 16 of you said no, you do not agree with that statement. Three of you said yes. Yeah. Of course, you can continue to vote on this poll no. throughout the day and throughout programming, and we'll give you the final results. I hear me? Yeah, I, I, yeah. Who's that? God? Yeah, I'm not hearing. Yeah, something is wrong on my side. And we'll give you the final results. So um, I think I may have to tomorrow. I mean, switch my device. Yeah, tomorrow. All right. Of course, that is Minister Marvin Gonzalez. That looks Recording like in progress. Gonzalez. Gonzalez. Uh, looks like he has a halo above his head. 
He's logging off to be logged back in. He's having some issues. Right. So the poll results, 16 said no. Three said yes. You can vote on this poll throughout the day, throughout programming, and we'll give you the final results tomorrow morning, which will be Friday. Because the mm-hmm. weekend begins tonight, people, at the second after midnight, just in case you didn't know. We didn't know. Paul, I'm not hearing you. Paul did Paul did a Wendell. All right. Yeah, I don't know I, what you I have several... Uh, microphone ports so i have to make sure all are on uh, so i turn off all to make sure i don't say what i don't want to say and yeah. get into trouble paul we're still I, not I, hearing him you, we you are hearing you i'm hearing him i don't know i'm just steve jeez i was trying to play with him there. i don't take on steve i don't want, want you playing with me at all okay there's a tendency to just blame the population generally and not accept responsibility for you how should i put this diplomatically lack of leadership sometimes is the only way to put it of successive governments yeah, of successive governments i don't think it's a i don't think it's a and, yeah, and, and, and you're right a, i mean the world has been moving to renewables and, and electric cars and hybrid cars for a while and we have had some <laughs> indications in the budget about encouraging the population to hybrid cars but not in the fervent way and as i said a couple of weeks ago when i saw those ads in super bowl about electric and hybrid cars and the, the announcement from the big car companies, and that's where the world is going. But let's say good morning to the Minister of Public Utilities, Marvin Gonzalez. Like, <laughs> do you hear me now? Yes, I'm hearing clearly. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Richard. Uh, good morning, 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 morning. Good morning to your viewers and listeners. Thank you for joining us this morning. You're not asked to answer the question, since it's his Prime Minister said it. Yeah. Oh, our poll this morning, I hope I didn't destroy it. Oh, no. Yeah, but Minister, you could weigh in on the poll. Um, we had asked our listeners, do you agree that the TNT driving public is not careful of its use of vehicles and gas because of the price we pay? Um, of course, the vast majority disagreed with the statement saying, no, they don't agree. They do care about the price they pay. Um, what's your take? Do you, do you, when you drive your vehicle, do you care about the price you pay? Of course, I, I, I care very much about the price I pay for gas. Um, I try my best to carpool and wherever I don't have to use my vehicle that I can walk, I, I do it because um, I know sometime recently we had increased the price of premium and super. And um, that was an indication that the government was heading in the direction of reducing the subsidy on, on gasoline. But um, notwithstanding the back. Notwithstanding that fact, the Prime Minister presented evidence um, on Tuesday night, I think it was, that um, despite the fact that we increased the price of premium, the vast majority of people and customers were purchasing vehicles that were using premium. So the consumption level for premium gasoline skyrocketed tremendously. And the consumption patterns for super gasoline um, decreased. So it's very interesting that even though you increase the price of gasoline, um, the, the, the statistics show you that um, more people are consuming gasoline, um, premium gasoline. Yeah. I think that also has to do with longevity and people trying to take care of the vehicles too. I think it's, um, it's, it, I think it's a picture of that. It's also um, what the requirement of new vehicles is that they ask you to use premium. Um, that, that, that is true, but you know, sometimes um, prices do also impact on behavior. So if, if the price is extremely low and, you know, very affordable, um, people just don't, you know, bother about, you know, engaging in practices that would save and 
But isn't the subsidiary moved from premium? Yes, it's just that the price is fixed. It's, it's fixed. That's absolutely correct. So, but, the, um, but, the, but the subsidy is removed. The issue is that the government doesn't allow the price to float. To fluctuate, that's correct, in accordance with, with, with market trends. So, um, and, and, and the other part so, about this too is that we can't have this conversation about the driving habits. And yes, I agree with you, Minister Gonzalez, that uh, comfortable prices don't encourage behavior change. Yeah. We know that. If, if, if Forex is low, people consume more external goods and services. You know? so, so price, price management of prices is, is also always an effective way to, to change behavior. But we can't have this conversation. People don't just drive because they want to drive because they have to. Yeah, because the public transportation system public is transportation. horrible. So, so that's, the, that's, that's the side that the government has control over. Has to play. That's that has not correct. been remedied. So I, think, we, you know? I don't think anybody is arguing that, Paul. Um, I think the Prime Minister himself said it um, on, on that night, that the government has to make a greater effort to make public transportation um, more reliable and make it a more reliable option for citizens. So it has to be dealt with in an overall perspective, an overall manner. You can't just you know, look at the subsidy arrangement for gasoline and not look at you know reasonable options for citizens so that they can be encouraged to, to leave their, their vehicles at home and opt for public transportation and feel a sense of assurance that they can reach their respective destination safely and um, in security. I so remember I, I, asking I, the minister there's of, no argument with that. Yeah, I remember asking the minister of works and transport a question in the Senate about that and the answer to the percentage of traveling public using PTSD, I think was specifically the question, was mm. three to five percent. So yeah. that was shocking to me that we spend on just under half a billion dollars on PTSC. And it's not this government alone. I'm talking successive governments have not been able to fix PTSC or yeah. fix public transportation and put it in a wider context. Because the maxi taxi system is part of our public transportation grid, which provides a lot of transportation to, to commuters, Absolutely. and 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 that that has been working pretty effectively. But the the issue of the PTSC side of it that can service particularly rural areas more effectively, and even urban urbanized areas, if fixed, will be a big fillip in terms of one reducing the amount of trans, uh, fuel we use in private cars and taxis and two cleaner for the atmosphere and three better for the economy overall um and again you're you're absolutely correct paul because um i can tell you very recently before the part before the cabinet thought you know one thing to breach cabinet's um secrecy and confidentiality um a note was brought before cabinet for the acquisition for no, of a number of buses um by the ptsc um, and it was the, the view of the government that whilst, yes, we have to go in the direction of acquiring electric, electric buses for, um, for PTSC's fleet, we have to look at the management arrangements of, of, of PTSC to ensure that it can meet the demands of the traveling public. So the government was very determined that whilst, yes, it was prepared to acquire that 300 electric buses for PTSC's fleet, we have to look at the management arrangements for PTSC to ensure that it becomes a state enterprise that responds to the traveling needs of the people of Trinidad and Tobago. You know, I could go back in time, you know, I could go back in time 10 years and whoever was the minister um, when in charge of PTSC would be saying something along the same line, uh, 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 a, regurgitator, a regurgitation of what you just said in a different way. 
about um, because we have heard all manner of things from PTSE. Oh, we're going to be able to get an app and we will know it's coming at 11.05 a.m. And at 11.05 a.m., the bus will pull up. We're still waiting on that app. Well, well, what I can tell you too, um, um, Richard, Nine I years ago, I'm talking about. might be absolutely correct, but the mere fact that the government has decided that it is going to acquire the, the fleet of buses for PTSC only upon the premise that we fix the institutional and administrative arrangement for PTSC, it demonstrates to me that the government has recognized that we need to fix PTSC to ensure that this investment in 300 electric buses the public can receive the benefit of that investment. So I, I understand what you're saying. The same thing we can say for the water sector and so many other state agencies, but you know, I'm new to politics and I try my best not to be too concerned about um, previous attempts to fix institutional problems. I, you know, I am in the driver's seat right now and I'm controlling one part of the vehicle and I will do my part to ensure that in the next five or 10 years, someone else sitting in my position will not be seeing the same thing. Well, let's talk about your fleet and your vehicle, <laughs> which is interestingly in, in, in. I thought about it yesterday when when Steve indicated that you'd be our guest this morning, and you've inherited public utilities, which is a significant portfolio. And in the last couple of months, several of the entities under your remit have been in the public. View. Of course, WASA mm-hmm. is an ongoing situation which you have been dealing with for a while with the uh, Cabinet Committee and strategic plan for WASA moving forward. WASA is never going to be an easy fix because of the years of issues WASA faced. The function of WASA. T and Tech with the recent national, well, Trinidad blackout, Trinidad wide blackout for the 12 hours, and of course, TSTT. But we want to focus on. Wasa to start, and if you can yeah. give us an update, Minister, on the progress made with the strategic plan, and if there are what the public can expect. I, I saw the newspaper report about the the acquisition of the water treatment plant. To inc- is it that to improve the the capacity in terms of providing water? And give us a general update on that, please. Right. So. Um uh, in my recent conversation with the Prime Minister, well, my conversation with the country through the, the program, conversation with the Prime Minister, I, um, I sought to give the country a general snapshot of the challenges faced by WASA because with so many documents that we've prepared, um, cabinet subcommittee reports, etc., cetera, um, I, I never had the opportunity to go into some of the, the challenges faced by WASA um, that prevents it from producing an efficient and unreliable supply of water to the people of Trinidad and Tobago. And what I, I, I sought to do on that evening was to demonstrate to the country that over the last 20 or 25 years, um, most of Wasser's water treatment plants and water infrastructure across the country um, have not been upgraded to meet the growing demands of the population. Because you can well imagine um, over the last 20 years, we've had a number of HDC communities spread all across Trinidad and Tobago, a number of private housing developments, development of uh, commercial entities, etc. So the demands on WASA's infrastructure and, and for water continue to grow um, at an exponential rate over the last 20 years. But when you look at WASA's production capacity, it has remained virtually the same or in many instances, it has reduced significantly because of the poor state of its infrastructure. We have not um, constructed an, any new dam um, over the last maybe 
30, 40 years, most of our dams, like Hollis, um, Kearney, and Navette, and, and Hillsborough, they, they remain virtually the same. The production capacity at Hollis and North Oropooch, Kearney Water Treatment Plant, um, in several parts of um, South and Central Trinidad, Tobago, they virtually remain the same. So why do you have growing demand on, on, on the resource? The, because of the poor state of infrastructure, lack of preventative and predictive maintenance, the uh, water production capacity reduced significantly, resulting in um, you know, a situation where water is scheduled to most communities across Trinidad and Tobago. And scheduling simply means that you have specific dates and time for getting their water supply. And even when WASAP uh, provides its customers with a schedule for getting their water supply, in many instances, WASA cannot keep the schedules. And that is because, again, of some of the infrastructure with its booster station, leaking pipelines, etc., And all of that would have impacted upon the utilities ability to provide the people of Trinidad to be with an efficient water supply. Yeah. Um, now, the, now the, the problem is that billions of dollars were spent in Wasa, let's say over the last 10 years, from 20, 20, 2010 to 2021, 2020, um, over $23 billion was spent inside of Wasa. But despite that, its production capacities, its facilities and everything is in a state of disrepair. So obviously the problem is not money. The problem is how are you utilizing the scarce financial resources to ensure that the utility company is in a place that it can respond to the growing demands on its resources. It's that singular resource that it produces, which is water. Why is it that we are not utilizing the investment to ensure that the utility company can meet demands of its customers? All right, some ministers invested heavily in pipelines, some wanted to go in provision of metering, and if, you know, people came and they had different approaches to address the problem. And um, my view was that we need to take a deep dive into the operations of the organization and to identify what are some of the issues that are preventing the, the, the water utility company from providing the country with an efficient water supply. So I've spoken about the state of its infrastructure, the fact that we have not invested in additional water sources to meet the growing demand um, from the population and therefore there is a need, as other countries have done, to invest in what we call modular water treatment plants because the traditional water treatment plants would take sometimes um, five, ten years to be constructed depending on the size of the plant. And, um, and of course, with WASA's poor rate of execution and management of projects, it can even take longer. All right. Um, so a lot of countries have moved away from the traditional approach of constructing water treatment plants because sometimes, you know, the water ecosystem changes. So you can build a plant in a particular location to uh, treat surface water. And maybe five, 10 years after that surface water in that particular location is no longer available for all kinds of reasons. So what they have done is decided to invest in modular water treatment plants where you can move the plants quite scalable and you can move it to various locations if the, you need to move it. It can, it can stay in the location because the, the, the water system might more or less remain the same. So I have started a discussion with the Canadian government, the Canadian High Commission, over the last five months, and we have been engaged in robust discussions where we can get access to modular um, water treatment plants of varying sizes depending on the volume of water that has to be treated. And those plants can be constructed within a short period of time, shipped into your country, 
and then you place it wherever um, you have the water source to be to be treated and um, you distribute the water to the particular location. So for I use an example. Um, we've worked as well with UTT and we have discovered a ravine south massive pond in this in the Kaparo um, River, Kaparo area, sorry, and that contains about 653 million gallons of water. And, the, and based on the outcome of the study, we were advised that if we trap some of the water from the Kaparo River, then the capacity of that pond can go to about five seven billion gallons of water on an annual basis, giving you a sustainable extraction rate of about five million gallons of water per day. Okay, great. That is great news. What do you do? In the traditional way of doing things, if a traditional water treatment plant, it will take you maybe five years to construct a plant that can treat five million gallons of water. However, with this technology that is involved that you know the water sector has evolved into utilizing the Canadian approach, we, we are going to work through a government-to-government arrangement where the Canadian government will assist us in getting a supplier to get that plant into the country within a four or five months period, have it placed on that area in Iraq where that pond is located. And before the end of the year, um, the people that live in that um, catchment area can receive near 24-7 water supply. So it, it shows you that given the invention and technology and the evolution in the water sector, we can improve the water supply across Trinidad and Tobago in areas that have water stretched because there are similar areas in San Grande, in Mayaro, in Chatham area, where that same approach can be utilized, working with your international partners to get plants into the country and you can respond to the water deficit in those areas um, across Trinidad and Tobago where hundreds of thousands of our citizens can see an immediate improvement in their water supply within a year or two. Yeah, I mean, that'll be fantastic if, uh, if that comes to pass. And I have no doubt, I have no reason to doubt your confidence in terms of it actually coming to pass. It's tried and uh, tested. It has been, I mean, yeah. it has been going on all over the world, especially North America. In, yeah. I mean, that, well, that's what I'm saying. I have no reason to doubt you. And, and, and it's a glimmer of hope because, you know, Wasa has been a pet peeve of so many citizens for so many years. And when I say mean so many years, Minister, I mean predating the 25-year timeline. Six years, six years. Yeah, they have, people have been Since struggling. Many people have grown up toting a bucket to flush a toilet, to, to help wash wares. It's part of our generational curse, I will call it. Yeah. Um, but we so, are moving in the right direction. I so must if we're that. moving in that, that direction, I know, there, I know there was a committee set up to look and analyze all of these problems and what, what the solution is. Is it that you have a roadmap with right. regard to, to solving all of the right. issues with regard to ASA? So the committee that was put together by the, 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 by, by the prime minister was specifically um, tasked with the responsibility to um, provide strategic guidance for the transformation of WASA, all right? So it, it, there are three main components for tuning around this whole um, issue that we have with respect to the water sector. We have to transform the Water and Sewage Authority as an organization to ensure that it becomes a, a modern water utility company so that the investment that we are making can be sustained for the next 15 to 20 years. So therefore you need a strategic leadership or a strategic team, an executive team that can usher in this new approach to, to management, utilizing and leveraging technology and what have you. 
and ensuring that the structure of the organization is in alignment with international best practice so that the investments that we are making within the authority, the country, can realize you know, the, the fruits of that investment. So WASA as an organization has to be examined, and that is what the Cabinet Subcommittee is looking at in preparing that transformation plan for the organization, all right? So that's one component. But why is we do that? Which is, and that is going to take some time. I'm, I'm telling you, it's not going to happen like, you know, the flick of a light. It is, it, because that is a large scale transformation you're talking about affecting 5,000 um, employees and changing business practices, deploying technology on your system. That is going to take time. But why is you do that? People want water. There are many communities burning tires, protesting they're not getting water for the very reasons that I've explained the state of its infrastructure. It has not evolved, it has not leveraged on technology. People are living on higher elevation and to get water up to those elevation, if your infrastructure is poor, people are going to have some serious problem. You have not been producing sufficient water to meet your growing demand. So what we have done is that wise, yes, the cabinet subcommittee continues to do great work and the board is working with the Cabinet Subcommittee in completing that transformation plan, we at Ministry of Public Utilities have decided that we need to come up with a strategic action plan for water supply improvement to the population. So this is the document I have, and if you're seeing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And that document is going to be made public, um, hopefully, from next week, because it's going to be subject of Cabinet discussion. Right? Why we have decided to put together that strategic action plan is because we recognize that all the different programs and projects that have been implemented in WASA over the last 20 years, it ha they, they have not been anchored in a strategic action plan with a clear vision. Somebody come and they have their own idea because some salesman would have offered some solution to them and it, it cost the people of this country hundreds of millions of dollars, in many cases, billions of dollars. And yet still, people have not seen an improvement in their water supply. We've put together a strategic action plan that would guide and will be the, 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 would set the parameters for every single piece of investment that um, is geared towards transforming the water sector and improving people's water supply. So in other words, if anybody comes in and with a, with a, a proposed plan, as case may be, and that plan does not fit within the strategic action plan, for water supply improvement over the next um, three years, then of course it is not going to be implemented because we have um, consulted far and wide within the sector to come up with a strategic action plan. And it provides for the optimization of WASA's infrastructure, the rehabilitation of all its assets, its water production facilities, um, its you know, improvement on the network infrastructure, etc. And most importantly, ensuring that we have a smart water network. WASA has not, as I've said, leveraged in technology, so thereby we don't have real-time data on the amount of water coming out of your plants, going into the various communities, identifying um, leaks through um, leak detection technologies and what have you, having to rely on turncock people to turn on a valve for you to get water, and you have to wish and hope that the turncock man turns up on time so that you can get your water. We are going to put together <laughs> uh, Richard, don't laugh. That's my situation. No, yeah. no that is a subject. We don't have laugh. had a subject. We have had don't that subject that's, of that's much commentary. If you don't get we, any more, no, 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 we have had water for me. Correct. That has is been it? a commentary on this morning program for years. Where we used sure. to say that the turncocks was they had some Arima woman and they back to the Arima woman and Arima not getting water. 
We used you to go see, down that road. It's a serious thing, you know. It's a yep. serious thing because if I'm telling you that we we have to to get an extra 30 million gallons of water to go into the grid to ensure that people get at least you know 24 five water supply across Trinidad and Tobago. If I if I can get that within the next year or two years, and yet still depend on a turn government to turn on a valve for people to get water, then I'm not making sense. All right, yeah, well, gentlemen, that's a good absolutely. <laughs> but so therefore, you need. To, I know about that one. So therefore, we need to invest in technology where your operators can manage your distribution remotely. As I've said, leveraging on technology. So when you have disruption on your system. Your SCADA system, your technology should notify you immediately, remotely of disruption on your system so that you can take immediate action and not have to allow citizens to burn tires of all the media that they haven't received water for two weeks and three weeks um, and then to respond to some of those but, challenges. But Minister, that's one part of it. WASA as an institution, like many other state-run institutions, has mm -hmm. been the subject of... HR deterioration, I'll call it, not because the person's, it, it's not reposed with the, with, the, with the human resource capacity, but because it's been managed so badly that a culture of non-performance has developed in many of the state enterprises. And even if you, when you get your technological aspect ready, there is still that cultural and HR component that has to run the technology and has to respond to the changing environment and has to respond and has to turn a, 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 a social culture, as it were, into mm -hmm. a productive culture. And how is that going to happen in the context of WASA, where, and with the greatest of respect, many of the, 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 the HR practices have encouraged the lack of productivity or no accountability, let me put it that way, or, or, or the HR practices have not been consistent so that even if you put the technology in place and you have the same people with the same mindset running it, you're going to run into problems. You could put a, a cell phone in somebody's hand with the greatest technology if they don't want to use it properly, if they don't understand the objectives long term, if they don't have systems in place to manage the objectives and look at redundancies and, and response mechanisms to make sure that the system as envisioned is working and hold people accountable. It's all going to account to zero. And, and Paul, you have just confirmed what I've said before I you know, talk about some of the initiatives. That is the intention and that is the focus of the transformation because we recognize exactly what you say, that despite you know, the fact that we, we, you know, we have to go in the direction of leveraging our technology, increasing our water production, all these things are necessary. But if you don't transform that organization to ensure that it operates with some core values where you hold people accountable because you're now giving them the technology in which to operate in order to manage the, the, the asset and the resource. But if you don't hold them accountable, if you don't provide the necessary training, and retraining and retooling, etc. And all these investments that you're making is going to go to naught. So therefore, the transformation of the organization must form a key component in the overall turning around of the water sector. All right, ensuring that you have a group of executive leadership or an executive leadership that operates with core values and holding people to account and ensuring that we change the culture within the organization. I know, yes, we have culture in Trinidad and Tobago, but we also do have some state enterprises that, that perform reasonably well. I can tell you, despite some of the challenges in TNT, that they operate with some core values 
that, and that's the reason why it is not as bad as wasa. So it is not an impossible task, but it all depends on the culture that you inculcate within an organization. And that, was what, that is what we are trying to ensure, that in the transformation of wasa, with all these other strategies that we are pursuing, the people of Trinidad and Tobago will realize an improvement in their water supply with a transformed organization moving forward with some core um, value sets. You know, in this discussion this morning, Minister, and of course we're talking WASA, and there are several components that you're touching on. Uh, but for people who are listening, who have had, I mean, years and years, decades, decades of problems with water and access to water in a consistent manner, and of course we get the calls all the time on this morning program, um, what's the hope that they have that that situation is going to improve in terms of the shortest possible timeline? Can you say that within a year they will see an improvement, within two years they will see a dramatic improvement? And of course, I mean, it's kind of hard for you to answer because it's disparate regions across the country uh, exactly. that suffer this issue and for different reasons. Yeah. But, yeah. But, but is there, how can we, would you say that the vast majority of people who don't have access to consistent water will see an improvement within a year? Yeah, so um, there is hope, um, Richard, because the strategic action plan is completed. The board has approved it. It's going before cabinet. And with that strategic action plan, we have the Water and Sewage Northwest Water Supply Improvement Program, which is anchored in the strategic action plan. That Northwest um, program, it details a number of interventions in alignment with the strategic action plan to improve the water supply in the areas of Diego Martin, in Foros, in, in Santa Cruz, in Laventil, Port of Spain, and what have you. Now, you might ask, well, then why, why am I focusing on Northwestern Trinidad? Because we have a team that is completing its work for Northeast Trinidad with a similar approach, all right? Anchored again in the strategic action plan, and I'm expecting to get the Northeast um, program completed in, in about a week or two, and therefore, once we get it approved, we are going to Northeast Trinidad because the, the situation there in Northeast, most of the, the water producing plants in Northeast depend on surface water. So you cannot come up with an overall plan for, for the entire country because different regions have their own different and unique challenges. And therefore, you need to tackle it from a regional level. So we've, we've completed Northwest and we are going to start Northwest. Um, it has already started as a matter of fact, but we're going to be going to the Ministry of Finance to get some additional financial resources to pursue some of the interventions in Northwest Trinidad. Northeast Trinidad has a different um, challenge and therefore the program for Northeast Trinidad would respond to the unique challenges of Northeast. Again, I'm hoping to go before cabinet in about two or three weeks time with the Northeast plan where you're going to see a number of interventions being rolled out. And as we go into the various regions to make the necessary interventions, one of the key things that we are doing is that we are turning around the water transmission and distribution network in the various regions into a smart water network to build resilience into that water network so as to allow or reduce the, the incidence of, of disruption that we are accustomed to have, um, having on a daily basis. But while we do that, there are some bigger strategies utilizing the modular water treatment plants because the modular water treatment plant, it affords you that opportunity to get that plant into the country placed within a particular, a particular locality within a short period of time. Now, let me give you an example for Northeast. 
If we put that plant in Tuey Road, a bit of, because we plan to put it in the Tuey Road area in Sangri Grandi, it means then that Sangri Grandi can now have access to its own water production um, um, site without having to depend on the North Oropooch system. North Oropooch produces 20 million gallons of water on a daily basis, and that 20 million gallons of water has to be shared between Sangri Grandi and all the way down the East West Corridor up to Oropoon Gardens. If we put that plant, and when we put that plant in Sangri Grandi, it means that Sangri Grandi water supply can easily move up to 24-7, benefiting areas in Coriel and Manzanilla and some of those locations. And the, the, the east of the plant, which is from Valencia and um, uh, La Hoqueta and, and, and um, Maloniga and all those new communities going down the road to, um, to Piaco, Five Rivers, they can now have access to the full 20 million gallons of water moving their water supply nearly close to a 24-7 um, area. We are also looking to make some improvements. Excuse my ignorance, because I'm, I'm, I, I'm following what you're saying, but where is the water that Grandy is getting to treat in that, port, in that portable water treatment plant? Where's that so, water coming from? So um, the, based on our hydrological um, reports, and based on recent studies by the WRA, the Water Resource Agency, there is an excess 18 imperial million gallons of water to be harnessed out of the groundwater aquifers in, in, in the Grandi area. 18 imperial million gallons of water in excess. And what we are talking about is just 10 million. So you still have an extra 8 million if, you, if, if you know, there's a need to increase capacity as a case baby. So, oh, is that water you can easily access to facilitate yes, that? Yes. So, there are, there are about um, 15 groundwater wells that are out of operation, and we are looking to tap into those wells, you understand, to get the water out of the ground. In the Aripo area, the Aripo area is always known for the last 40 years to be a mega watershed, comprising of approximately 11 million gallons of water per day that we have not never tapped into. So that is also an extra source of water that can supplement the, the Guanapo area, the Ariba area, and, um, and the Aripo area, and, and, and stuff like that. So what I'm saying here is not just pie in the sky. We have done the hydrological research. We have done the hydrological investigation, all right? And therefore, we are strategically making the interventions across the country, depending where you have your, you know, the water deficits and where you have the price for um, because as a result of poor water supply. So it has to be addressed in a strategic format. The good thing, however, is that with that approach, your existing plant, when they are rehabilitated, most of the water that they produce can now go into areas like a water stretch without having to ex um, to you know to stretch them to, to different communities. So let me let's let's go for example to the Karani water treatment plant, which is located in Piaco produces 75 million gallons of water per day. That water go all the way down to Labri in the south. And in the west, it goes all the way down to Pokerit and in Port of Spain, all up the way to Ololo and what have you. 75, that is, that is a surface water source, Richard. Richard, the minute you get one month of sun, the production capacity drops by about 5 million gallons of water. So it goes from 75 to 70 and can easily drop all the way down to 60 
or 55, depending on the severity of dry conditions, because it's a surface water source. The moment that starts to happen, communities that are located on the extremities of those plants, like the Hololo, St. Anne's, Kokorit, um, in, this, in, in, in South, in, in Labri and those areas, they immediately get an impact in their water supply because of the dry season condition and the, plant, the fact that the plant is no longer producing that, you know, 15 or 20 million gallons of water. The strategy now is to ensure that you localize your, the production of water. So in the Maraval area, you have excess water to be extracted. In the St. Anne's area, you have excess water to be extracted. In the Tucker Valley area, you have excess water to be extracted in the same way that you have for Central and in South Trinidad. So when you localize your source of water, you no longer have to depend on that main source of water coming from all the way to Kearney. So that when there is a reduction based on harsh dry season conditions at the Kearney water treatment plant, the impact on those communities will not be felt because they have a, a localized source of water. And most of those um, sources of water are groundwater sources, which say wells, which are not easily impacted by um, harsh dry season conditions. And that is yeah. the strategy. I, I remember when we had spoken to you previously, you talked about the issue of water tanks. And I'm talking about Wasa water tanks, the big yes. water retention. Reservoirs. Um, they call it water. Yeah, reservoirs. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I remember you said that several of them have fallen into disrepair and you wanted to um, revitalize them, them and, 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 and have them working again. Uh, and what's the status of that in terms of the overall and, infrastructure? And that falls part of that strategy. So we have identified, for example, in Northwest Trinidad, um, the, the 40 or 50% of those um, storage reservoirs that are no longer in use. And part of this strategy is to have all of those reservoirs rehabilitated within this current financial year so that they can provide a buffer on your distribution system. So that whenever you have a booster station going down, a pump going down or what have you, because you have sufficient storage on your distribution system, because the customers will not immediately feel the impact of a pump going down or a, or a booster station going down. Thereby it allows the, the authority to go in, make the intervention, have the pump reinstalled as the case may be, and allow your distribution um, and your flows to continue. So that is also part of the strategy, rehabilitating your assets, not only your booster station, but with respect to your storage reservoirs all over Trinidad and Tobago. So coming back to your question, how soon? It is going to be incremental. It is not going to be immediate. So as we make the necessary interventions across the various regions in Trinidad and Tobago, as we have done in CWIP, and I don't know if you all would have, would have recognized we, have, we, we are rolling out a CWIP program, and you would have seen a number of communities getting water for the very first time. You understand? In Mari Road, in Mova, in Kwaiko, in all over, you know, people are getting water for the very first time. And those are very small projects that we have, um, we have undertaken, identifying communities that do not have um, a pipe-borne water supply. And that project and that program has been a success story for the Ministry of Public Utilities and, and, and WASA. So while we undertake these other bigger projects with the regional um, water improvement projects, we are continuing to roll out our community water improvement um, program across Trinidad and Tobago, thereby improving the water supply. So it is going to be very incremental. And again, I'm very passionate about creating that smart water network 
Because if we don't do that and still have to rely on human, a human being to turn on and turn off water, <laughs> we 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 spinning top and one. So what I'm about, what about spinning top and that? Yeah. What about because I I saw a news report that indicated that. Of the 9,000 identified leaks, 6,000 were fixed, and there were 3,000 on the way to being fixed. Uh, what was that process like, and would those 9,000 leaks represent the, the, the total leaks identified in the country, or is that an erroneous report? No. So, um, leak is something that appears on your network on a daily basis. So, there's about 80 or 100 leaks um, that are reported on a daily basis on your network. And because WASA has not been responding to the daily reports of leaks over the years. It, you know, accumulated to about four or 5,000 leaks. And, and it was just, you know, growing at a, you know, a, a phenomenal, at a phenomenal level, impacting the distribution of water, your water pressures and what have you. So we started this program last year, November, um, where we put together some leak, um, leak repair teams across the various regions in Trinidad and Tobago, and we have to manage them. Because again, you talk about organizational culture, core values, etc. So we've recognized that we've accepted that as a serious problem inside of WASA. But what we did was that we had them um, coming before us on a weekly basis, accounting for the, the amount of repairs that they are conducting across the, the various regions and try to be And the success of that is that within two to three months' time, we were able to repair um, near 6,000 leaks between November and the end of um, at the end. Of, um, of February. The teams were impacted a lot by COVID because a number of teams had to go into quarantine when a team member, you know, contracts the virus. So it kind of slowed down the momentum that we had, you know, that, that we were on to eradicate the backlog of leaks. Um, because we, I was actually hoping that we would have eradicated the backlog by the end of um, February. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case because, you know, it the, the COVID situation had really imp- impacted you know, a number of teams from operating, they have to go into quarantine. So what we have done is that we are continuing the momentum. We have um, engaged some private contractors to help us deal with the backlog. And um, some of those private contractors have started working um, early on this week. And we're expecting that by the end of this month, that backlog, the two or 3,000 backlog that we have in the system will be completely eradicated. And once it is completely eradicated, um, we will continue with the system whereby once a leak is reported, we will aim to repair a, approximately 100 leaks on a daily basis, thereby um, keeping that at a very minimal level and allowing the utility company to respond expeditious, expeditiously to reports of leaks. So we are going to reactivate the leak repair app where citizens utilizing that app can also repair the leaks. The contractors, the, um, the teams, etc., will all be on that app and once a leak is, is reported within their respective region, they can respond um, immediately. And our hope is that with that system, with that system, we WASA should be able to respond to a leak within 24 hours. Let's talk about the, the um, because it's in one of the dailies today, the issue of hikes in, in the Great. water rates. And, right, uh, Richard, and we can put a pause because we have to, if Minister could hold on for two minutes for the news and then we'll We have to go to the 8 o'clock news, yeah. okay. All right, two minutes. Yeah, all right, so we, do have, we have another guest lined up for, uh, for the next hour. Um, so we'll just be brief with uh, Minister for a little bit. Let's get into our news brief. Thank you for choosing Power Water 2 Digital. Listen every weekday for our live show starting at 6 a.m. Remember, like, share, and subscribe. Power 102 Digital.